Welcome back to Houndcast. On this episode, I zoomed into a conversation with June Slowinski-Youngs, recipient of the Comenius Award for this year's Shining Light Ceremony. We, of course, discuss her time on campus as a Moravian student, and we also talk about her various careers in supply chain logistics, as well as her service on boards of education for many institutions. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hello. Oh, it's great to finally see you in person. Sort of. Yes, you as well. When was the last time you were on campus? I was on campus for I did a um I did a speech for the English Honor Society and that was it was on the value of a liberal arts education. I that was probably what what I think I was at CVS. So that had to be um, between maybe 2012, maybe to, yeah, 2012 to probably somewhere in there to maybe 15, 2015. I'm not quite sure when it was, but it was the National Honor Society or the, um, they had, they had all these recipients and they wanted someone to talk about the value of a liberal arts education. And I was their speaker. So it was very, it was a great honor. Well, why don't we kind of get into some of the questions? Like I said, Marissa might pop in. Um, oh, wow, what timing. Timing's perfect. <laughs> there she is. Hi. Hey, June, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'm doing well, and you? Nice to meet you. Very well. Enjoying the warm weather that we're getting. Oh, I know. It's wonderful. Here, too, in Rhode Island. It's beautiful. I asked Ellen if I could just crash your meeting just for the beginning to say hi and introduce myself. I won't stay on and, and get in Dylan's way for your Houndcast, but I just wanted the chance to say hello and offer my congratulations. And we can't wait to meet you in person in a couple of weeks. Yes. And thank you so much. I'm very, very honored and humbled by it. There's so many alumni that deserve it. And it, it was it was a little bit of a shock, to be honest with you. And I and I'm very honored. I do love the school immensely. So it was a very um, big honor for me personally. That's wonderful. And it's so well-deserved. I mean, you say there's so many alums, but at, we, you couldn't be more deserving. So we're thrilled to, to be able to honor you and recognize you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Nice to see you literally. Yeah. Have the most fun doing these Houndcasts and I can't wait to listen to it when it goes live. Okay. Thank you. See you in two weeks, Jim. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So we're going to just hop into this. Um, you are in the supply chain logistics world. I am not totally sure exactly what that means. Could you kind of lay out in layman's terms what that equals um, in terms of what you do overall and what your day-to-day -day looks like? So, yes. Um, as we all know, we're talking about the terminology more than we ever have. Um, due to um, what has happened with uh, global impacts due to, you know, the virus. I mean, supply chain is just, um, it's a very fascinating field. I had, I retired from CVS in 2019. So I am doing it more as um, active board member um, for a logistics organization. I am, but I was in supply chain for my whole career for the most part, which included everything from warehousing distribution, 
um, demand planning, customer logistics globally and also domestically, um, anything to do with inventory, with the, the execution of movement of product like raw materials to finish product, the movement of data, the movement of containers, the movement of anything physically from a technology perspective, anything that determines when someone wants a product service that they were able to receive it at the day, time, and moment they want it. And as everyone can imagine, that's a constantly shifting opportunity for people that work in that field. And that's what excited me about it. It's never the same. It's very different. And that's why I jumped a lot of times to different career paths because not career paths, but companies, because of the difference in every company and how they manage their supply chain and their execution. It was, it is a fascinating field. And I think people have a better awareness of it because of the challenges we've had after, after COVID and empty shelves and the fact that our, um, even the awareness that chips are needed to, for cars and, and so on. And there's only one facility that makes that right now. And that's why we are building other facilities for that. So there's constant change in that field. And that's what makes it one of the most exciting career paths, I believe. And it was for me. Yeah. I imagine each day is just a little bit different and a new, new challenge. It is. And, and being, you know, I was in the, the chemical industry. Then I was in um, toys and entertainment. I was also in cookies and crackers. I was in juices. And then I was in CVS Health with had retail as well as pharmaceutical movement. So if you think about the supply chains for all of those, it's everything from field producing cranberries and to producing toys from overseas uh, locations and even domestically. Um, and just executing all of those things to make sure that we have what we want as individuals globally. Yeah, it's there are so many parts of, you know, cranberry juice that you don't even think of. Like, yes, you need the cranberries, but how do the cranberries get from one place to the next? And you really are just every little detail, which is that's so neat. Um, so can you start by telling me a little bit about your Moravian story? Um, your path as a student and kind of why you chose Moravian. I still remember walking onto campus that many years ago and having this feeling there from the, from the more of the tactical reason or the logistical reason um, it had a plethora of, of areas that I could go into and coming right out of high school, like many of us, Certain people know that they want to be uh, in certain fields that are more directional. At that point, I knew I had interest in operations, in engineering. I loved music. I loved philosophy. I loved English literature. I also loved the fact that a liberal arts school university would provide a choice as I developed what I had real interest in to some place where I could make those decisions as I went along and I wasn't restricted. I had a lot of opportunities, especially back then when I was interested in engineering to go to a school that had a full engineering ride. I just wasn't sure if that's what I was gonna do long-term. I don't think a lot of us do know when we're 18 years old or 19 years old. 
if we choose to go to uh, to college. So I found that a school that has a lot of that opportunity for me was the right choice. And I knew it as soon as I walked onto the campus. There's a feeling that's there. And even a few years ago when I was back, there's a feeling there that's very unique. And people say that sometimes about their universities or their schools, but there's something very special there. And I felt like I was going to be comfortable and I was going to, more importantly, was going to be successful. And I hadn't even really met anyone yet. It was just a sense I've gotten from the school and the people that I were meeting early on. So that that's really what brought me there. Yeah, it's great to hear that you, you know, you didn't want to be pigeonholed and you you knew there was a world of opportunity for you and you just you were excited to explore that, which, you know, that's kind of a theme that I'm hearing from a lot of the other Shining Lights recipients that I've been interviewing on Houndcast. It's a true testament to how amazing Moravian is in so many different aspects. And I, I did like the fact I was from New Jersey. I did like the fact that it was a smaller school. I felt it was more the fit for me. I didn't want to be in massive classes. I felt like I would be able to um, be enough away from family and friends, but then again, um, close enough that if there was a need, I could be there for family. So uh, that was another piece of it as well. Were there any staff or faculty that really impacted you while you were here or, you know, post-grad? Yes, actually. Um so I ended up in English literature and Dr. Diamond, who I believe is um, is still listed as a professor, but he has retired since, since I had him. He was fascinating because he, the way he taught was to actually um, involve the full being. And I felt that a lot of the things that I've learned through his classes were beyond just what I was learning about literature and and liberal arts. It was more the person piece. And I don't know how he did it. I think back now, um, it was really special. And I still remember him. I still am honored that I had him. And, and I think that's what made me even be more successful as a leader, not just in my field, but in a, as a leader at, at top of some of the corporations I've worked for. And additionally, I love political science. There was uh, Dr. Olson and Dr. Hamill. They also were really interesting and ahead of their time, I think, in letting us question authority, think outside the box, um, think broadly as to the spectrum of what was our belief system and how maybe we have our own biasness and how do we open our minds up to think about difference. And I remember from those classes, a lot of us would get together late at night and sit in the hub and talk, even though we were on different sides of beliefs and so on, we would talk through and discuss and debate to all hours where we finally, you know, had to leave because we had work to do or had to, uh, you know, get ready for the next day. But it was it was really stimulating. And I think those professors were ahead of their time in what they're doing. And I'm on I'm on a board of Northeastern University. I'm on the board of visitors. I'm on boards of other schools, elementary and high school, and they're doing what I think Moravian has done for a while, incorporating liberal arts into the curriculum because they want a full person and even pushing that down to the high school level and the elementary school level because they want those individuals to be whole humans and not just follow a blind path going forward. 
So I'm very grateful to all of them. And there was wonderful faculty I'm not even mentioning that just have made such an impact on me. Specifically, like the fact that they helped you realize that you need to question. You need to question everything because, yes, the older generation can lay out what they know, but it's it's the younger generation that's really coming up and moving everything forward. Um, so that's pretty cool. And I think it's interesting, too, that there is more of an awareness now for the back and forth. So it's it's learning that I think um, one of the things I'm, I'm going to be doing in the fall is I'm actually going to be a, a professor, believe it or not. So one of the things I'm learning is that the back and forth of education is similar to what it is in business, that you learn from the people that you're also teaching and you teach it's a two-way, almost like mentoring used to be. I felt mentoring was best when it was a collaborative back and forth mentoring. There's things that we no one possibly knows 100% of, and it's always changing and evolving. So if you don't keep your mind open to the back and forth of the other individual, even if you are more experienced in a field, or even if you are new to a field, I think it's it's critical. And I think that, that um, that's what's exciting about what I think those professors brought and even um, what what we're seeing now um, in, in a lot of the organizations that I've worked for, but also in a lot of the schools and the universities that I'm aware of. A lot of your professional career has been in a very male-dominated industry. You've seen it in a variety of decades, not to sound in any way, but uh, (laughs) how have you seen it change over the past few years? And then where do you see it going in the future? It started, they started keeping track of wages by gender, women and men at the time, and as defined at the time in 1979, when I literally got out of school. So at that point, it was, I think, 64 cents to the dollar. And I'm not shy to say it's 40 years later, and now it's 84 cents to the dollar. So in 20 years, it went up 20 cents. And you could hear a plethora of excuses as to why. I could tell you throughout my career, um, I felt that every time I asked to have my salary benchmarked against the exact same job, that was split, maybe split with me and another individual that happened to be male, um, I always got more money when I asked for it. So that told me, you know, that's how it was then. How is it on a broader scale or looking down at a higher level? um, I have to admit, um, you know, when you look at the C-suite, who's in the C-suite, the diversity of C-suite, it's not where we need to be, obviously. We need to reflect the environment of the people we're leading and even the world that we're part of. So we have a long way to go. I will tell you that I still feel um, I'm still one of two of many. Most of the meetings in my life that I've been part of, I'm one or two of 10, one of two or 20, one of two of 40. It's been that way. And it still is on some of the boards I'm involved with, um, in some of the settings I'm involved with, it's still the same way. I was in a meeting the other day. There was a a person who was trying to speak up at the table and was overwhelmed with somebody else. And I'm still interrupting and saying he or she was just about to speak and she was in the middle of it. I still think we have a long way to go. I'm optimistic that I think 
the future talent is actually not thinking about it and just doing it more. That's what I love. It's not actually called out as a separate thing. It's actually in the thinking process of, I would say, the people that I've talked to, my son's colleagues, my niece's colleagues, it's just, it's a surprise. They think it all the time. They don't, they don't look at it having to be something to solve. It's part of what their life is. And that gives me optimism to where we're going to go forward. Yeah. Really intimidating to be, you know, at any table and specifically one that you are one of two in terms of who you're relating to. How did you find the confidence to do that? And on the days that you didn't have confidence, how did you muster that up? The confidence, I don't know, people ask me this all the time, and I'm not sure where I get it from. I don't know if it was, you know, I grew up with brothers. I, I grew up in a family that, you know, I had 32 first cousins. We all just kind of always were part of everything. We didn't, it wasn't really isolated to us, so it never came through that way. And I've always felt like, so if I wasn't at the table, I and I mean figuratively and literally, right, I always made sure that I made room and made sure I moved that seat up. And I did it for myself and for anybody else that maybe was more um, quiet or was not there. And when I didn't have the muster, like if I didn't have the guts, because maybe it was a very different environment, it was going to be a hard environment. I'll leave it at that. I would actually have people that I talked to ahead of time to make sure that they would make space for me in those meetings. So I actually proactively managed it, um, saying to Ken, hey, listen, I got some ideas for this meeting coming up. If if we don't get to it, I'd love for you to kind of jump and say that you and I talked. And then he would make that space for me, and then I would bring it up. It was a lot of work all the time. I was constantly working at it. It's actually exhausting, but <laughs> especially when it isn't easy, when it became easy or when I had the opportunity to do something about it, um, it was a lot easier. And it was able, I was able to hopefully pay it forward for others to make it easier for them going forward too. Yeah. The collaboration, that's very eye-opening because you can collaborate with different teams and different departments, but collaborating with somebody to get them on your side and have your voice heard, even if it's not your physical voice and it's directed that you were the voice, that's that's big. I would also say that sometimes it was more the outcome for me. So mm-hmm. if I felt we were doing something that really would make a difference and however way you want to analyze what that meant, you know, is it for salaries? Was it for the environment? Was it for something that was going to be good for the business? It didn't matter to me if I had to say it. I wanted that to be said in that meeting. So we made a decision, we move forward on it. And sometimes I would feed it to the person that I knew would be accepting. They would get their ideas accepted. They just had the clout. And to me, it didn't matter. It was more important what the outcome was than whether it came from me or not. And I did that a lot too, because I knew that that person could sell it in differently with the group that they were part of. So, um, I use that as a tool as well. Yeah, that's great. I mean, so many people can have their ego just wanting to push their their vision out there and just make it theirs, but you really have a, a team team vision for you. So I commend you on that. So getting back to Moravian, 
What do you miss most about being on campus, um, whether that's the physical or the feeling or friendships? Um, I'm still in touch with friends from Moravian, and they've all been incredibly successful. I miss the soccer games. <laughs> I think I fell in love with soccer at Moravian. Um, I miss sitting and watching the plays and all of that. Um, I'm, you know, I think the there was such um, uh, relationships in at all in all the different areas that I felt like it was almost its own city and own its own community, and that's very very special. Um, and I think it 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 kind of lives on in the people that I know that that graduated when I did and and even before and after I did. So there's like it's interesting. It's like a almost a um, beyond it's the early years that you were there and even people that were graduated two years before you and two years after you, it's really a, a, a lot of people that are uh, highly successful coming out of that school. And um, um, so I, I feel like I still have the strings of connection there that are really, really good. Oh, that's great. So if you had any advice for young alumni who are just getting into the real world, I call them a uh, baby adult. <laughs> what would that be? I think, um, you know, as my as I mentioned, I have a niece who's graduating this year. The interesting thing that I've seen, and even doing guest lectures at different universities and so on, there's a, there seems to be a hesitation to, um, and a thinking too much, and it may just be some of the people I met about, oh, I don't know if I could really do that job, or I don't think that's what they're looking for, or I'm not sure that's my career path. I'm not sure that's what I want to do for a living. What I would suggest is that um, go and find the work that you think you'd like. Start, just start. And the other thing is to leverage everyone you meet. And this is going to be hard because I don't know if it comes naturally to humans, but I leveraged everyone I met um, when I was looking for a job. And back when I graduated, we were in a major recession. We had a lot of things going on, including not a lot of jobs. And everywhere I went, and I, I put myself through college, so I was working multiple jobs. But anywhere I went that I was working, I even if I was working part-time at night, I would meet people. I would talk about, you know, my college experience. I would talk in what I'm passionate about. I, if they gave me a few minutes, I took it. And even working as in, in a restaurant, I met an executive from IBM who actually got me an interview for sales because he thought I would be great in sales. And that was through just having a conversation as I was waiting on him. I, I think it's having the guts to speak up and leverage anybody you know and say what you might be interested in. And the biggest thing is don't overthink it. I think we have a tendency to say, oh, I may not be, I may not have all the background or my background is really in this and not that. And maybe I need more digital or more technology background. You'd be surprised once you get in, if you can get in for the interview, what people would develop around you. So I think it's really having confidence, taking chances and not being afraid to meet new people and talk about yourself almost confidently, um, because I do believe it comes, it, it will come and it'll come to you. And then you could choose what you want to do from there. And the path isn't like 
friends of mine did one career for their whole life. Um, I jumped around because the opportunities kept opening up and I wasn't afraid to make those changes. So I think it's having confidence and courage and um, and moving forward every chance you can um, and meet me and use your people and friends that you know mm -hmm. to help you. Not being afraid to ask for help. That's That's great advice. So you have worked at a plethora of companies. Um, it's like a elementary school's, you know, dream, I would say, you know, toys, candy. If you, if your 12-year-old self saw you now, what do you think they would think? I really loved uh, engineering and operations and logistics, even though I was little. It wasn't defined that at the time. And I was also really big on leading groups and so on. Um I think I would say um, I might have pushed a little harder to go into an engineering degree. But the interesting thing, based on what I just shared, I ended up there technically, maybe not in um, pure mechanical engineering or chemical engineering, but operations and operational engineering and industrial engineering. I ended up doing and leading those teams. So I think my 12-year-old self, I would say just keep plotting forward do everything you like to do. Don't let anybody box you into a, a position that you think you need to be in or that people want you to be in and um, stretch your boundaries yourself. And I think the other thing that I use a lot is I think growing up, I always tried to steer the roller coaster of life, even though you're on a track and you're not exactly sure where it's going. I was always trying to steer it. I think I, I would have enjoyed that divide just a little bit more because it ended up pretty well. Yeah. Um, so I have, I've started a new segment. It's kind of some fast fire questions. They're not too challenging. Don't worry. So I'm going to say a short blurb and then you give me um, like a one word, two word answer that just comes to your mind. And just like you're saying, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. So when I think uh, of a time at Moravian, I think of? Uh, happiness and, I probably shouldn't say this, but partying. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's your time in college. Yes, it was fun. Happiness and fun. <laughs> um, I'm at my happiest when I? Helping other people, for sure. I am grateful for? Um, my faith, my family and my past and future. Sweet or savory? Definitely savory. Savory, ooh. Um, favorite potato chip? The dark russet. Wow, that's very specific. <laughs> truffle, with truffle oil. <laughs> I'm a gourmet cook, so I'm not gonna give you a straight answer. Um, favorite dessert? No, I'm not a dessert eater. Not dessert. I know, I had that ready and you went savory on me. So I would do sorbet probably. Favorite board game? Monopoly. Oh, Monopoly. And what's your little piece that you pick? It varies. I, I don't know. I usually let everybody else pick, so it doesn't matter. Of course you do. <laughs> um, perfect. Well, that was our quick fire question. So well done. Um, so, you know, I can't wait to have you back on campus also because it's just been so long since you've been here. You know, we have new buildings here. We have new schools that have just been created. So Shining Lights is on April 21st. I really appreciate this. And again, I'm honored for the award and looking forward to seeing everyone. And I do wish the seniors and everyone there the best of luck. They're on for a wonderful life.